0: So, hello, I'm Alex Ratkeen. I'm a barrister at Third and Essex Chamber specialising in mental capacity law. And I'm really glad, I'm really grateful to be joined in the, the sheds today by Alex Lewer. Um, Alex, as you know, I don't like introducing people. I want them to introduce themselves. So over to you, tell, tell me what you want uh, well, people watching this to know about yourself and your work, please.
1: Thank you, thank you, Alex. So yes, my name's Alex Luer. I run a small charity called include.org. Um, part of which is the Include Choir, which is how our paths crossed. I'm a speech and language therapist by background. Um, I was also an adult safeguarding lead in the NHS for a few years prior to setting up the charity. Um, and that's kind of why I set up the charity was my experience in speech and language therapy, safeguarding, um, and particularly really in the crossover between those two in the Mental Capacity Act. Um, yeah, is sort of where I've ended up where I am now, in your shed.
0: <laughs> so. Well, let's get struck in straight away. But look, I want to know, I know a bit about the choir and I think it's wonderful, but let me, let, let you know, please tell us about it. And well, you said a little bit about what inspired you to set it up, but sort of just tell us, give us, give us, as it were, the pictures to what it does and then we can dig it. I'll in. do
1: my best. It's um, something I still need to work on. But the, so the, the vision of include.org, if you like, is breaking down barriers for people with communication needs. And part of that breaking down barrier process is increasing the understanding of what a communication need actually is. Because I think in my experience, when you tell people you're a speech and language therapist, they go, oh, I better talk properly. And as a speech and language therapist that's worked in inclusive communication, specifically with adults with learning disabilities, also with adults with dementia, that's absolutely not what we do. And it's absolutely not what is the be-all and end-all of communication, in my experience. The focus on speech is something which actually isn't always very helpful, I find, when it comes to facilitating communication. And I think there's a real lack of understanding that a communication difficulty might mean a problem understanding the spoken word, the written word, the context within which you find yourself. People tend to focus on the expressive and the speech, and forget that actually for people with learning disabilities, autism, dementia, people who've had a brain injury, people who've had a stroke, huge cohort of people, one in five people in the UK will experience a communication need at some point in their life. And that may well be understanding, not expression. And yet people don't sort of know about it. And so we kept, within the safeguarding team, you came up against that time and time again. I thought, well, the trouble is actually, we're not talking about this more widely we're not experiencing it within the hospital settings, within the community teams, within the support staff that we work with. But actually that's not really surprising because when people think about disability and access, they think about physical disability, they tend to. And there's a kind of, there's maybe a growth in sort of the understanding of autism and dementia as particular areas, but as communication disability, that's not something which I think we conceptualize as a society very easily. And that means that we don't conceptualise either. How can we help? What are the steps? What is the ramp that we can build to increase that access for people? And that's a very long-winded way. That's not a very good pitch, is it?
0: You've laid the foundations brilliantly. So sort of build the foundations up and get us to thinking about, well, how's the choir, might like, well, include generally, but then the choir just, I mean, it's fascinating. So
1: Well, I think, I mean, I think what I felt was that training was a really key element training and education and awareness raising was that foundation that needed to happen before things would improve and so as a speech and language therapist i delivered loads of training and quite as, as a safeguarding lead quite often it felt that you were coming in at a bit of a mismatch that there wasn't sufficient awareness of the issues that you were talking about to be able to complete that training within the time frame, So you needed a kind of shared value base and understanding of what it, what's the subject matter, whether it's capacity, whether it's communication. And so I was like, well, how do you change that? How do you bring that awareness about? Um, and my background before, um, before training as a speech language therapist, my first degree was in music. And I've always kind of wanted to get back to music to a certain degree. you know what I wonder whether you can you make a choir what about if you had a choir that got together and provided social and inclusion opportunities for people with cognitive communication needs that then showed people what inclusive communication was now Makaton signing is something we use because it's a very visual it's very Mm -hmm. easy ah there's signing going on there's an inclusive communication thing at work but we also use accessible information we use talking mats. we modify our own communication so we model within the choir what inclusive communication is, what that ramp is that might increase people's understanding and ability to express themselves. So the support staff that come along are expected to join in, the community members that join us are expected to come in. And then when we go out and perform, whether that is in a community festival, this pre-COVID obviously, um, community festivals, uh, town halls, or whether it's NHS conferences or advocacy services or whatever it is, we're then expecting the audience to come and join us and we will yeah as you know the audience doesn't generally get to sit as a passive participant in an an include choir performance we're then saying come and sing our songs come and learn with us come and learn some of the signs that we're doing because if nothing else it might help you remember when you meet somebody who's struggling to express themselves who looks like they might not have quite processed what you said it might give you a I could try this, or I know some people who might be able to help me. And that's really how it came about, was a combination of social inclusion opportunities, which are very lacking
0: Mm -hmm. for people
1: with learning disabilities and autism particularly. To find something which people love, You know, people love music, whether they've got a learning disability, they haven't, dementia, whatever, it's a very unifying force, I think. Um, And then, yeah, to then use that force as a way of communicating, as a way of learning a skill and communicating a message.
0: So, I mean, I should say if anyone hasn't seen the choir in action, um, the next time you get an opportunity, please make make sure you do because it is just brilliant. And some of the songs you have come up with, the, the this is a battle march of the the battle hymn of the Mental pasty was it a, was a true a, a barnstorm, <laughs> an absolute barnstormer. Um, and but sort of just digging into the kind of almost nu- nuts and bolts of what you're talking about here because I'm hearing. I'm hearing two different things, almost. One uh, in relation to communication, there's as it were going in, and as it were coming out. And it's just, I was really interested when you were talking about the choir. I was almost hearing both parts of that mm. about, you know, assisting the the members of the choir, you know, the ones who might have the individuals who might have impairments, assisting them with, you know, communication in. But then, of course, getting how to get communication out. And I just want, did I, did I hear that correctly?
1: You did. I, I very, very strongly feel that, yes. Um. I think there's both. I mean, the choir itself is an opportunity for people to have their voices heard. And I think mm-hmm. what we've seen over the last year also, I keep saying the last year and then realizing it's nearly a year and a half, but over the last period, we've, you know, the voices of people who have been the most vulnerable during the pandemic, the people with cognitive communication needs, with disabilities that affect their ability to understand what's going on, the people who are reliant on support, have been really absent it's you know it's been very hard to find those voices there's been notable exceptions but not not much going on and that's that's been typical over the last you know over our history really is how often do you hear from somebody who finds understanding or speech difficult and how often are those people disregarded within society which is is one part of it is actually, if you them together and sing, you mm-hmm. can't help but listen. Um, and one of the things we do is the songwriting element. So within, when we wrote the, the Battle Hymn of the Mental Capacity Act, but when we've also written, we have a, a kind communication song, which is about inclusive communication. We wrote songs throughout the pandemic. We've got our tissue song. We've got our um, coffee shop blues song. We've got all of the kind of dealing with the situation around us song and we try, We probably haven't done that so well over the last year but previously we've always done that collectively Mm -hmm. so we've gathered people's views people have drawn things signed things we've we've observed things and then we've put those things together into a song so to help amplify those voices and that's the kind of going outside i guess and the expression side as well as the kind of actually the more the more speech therapy bit which actually there's a lot of evidence to suggest that expressive communication is aided by music that the rhythm concepts that the repetition that actually expression can be improved through that musical input um, but then equally you've got the other side of that which is how does music aid the receptive yeah. language um processing um so, it was an, an, so i don't claim to be an expert on this at all and i would love to be but in my experience one of the very simple things I think is repetition within a song you can repeat an idea multiple times and I think something that is massively underestimated when perhaps doctors are assessing capacity or when anyone is assessing capacity is actually the value of repetition is how many times somebody might need to hear something in order to be able to process it and we all kind of know that in an abstract concept but perhaps it doesn't always translate you can start feeling quite silly oh God, I've said this, I've said this so many times, I'm still not getting it. But actually you can write a song and you can say, you can put it in the chorus, you know, the battle in with the mental capacity, help us make our own decisions. You know, that's the thing that we want the the audience to take on board and we can keep saying it because musically that's not a problem. So I think there's something very basic in just the repetition Mm -hmm. element, which is helpful. And I think that's been borne out actually, taking again that the... well, but yeah, again, both the Hymn and, and the Inclusive Our Kind Communication song. One of the difficulties with a cognitive communication disability can be lack of insight into your own difficulties. If you struggle with understanding, how easy is it to understand that you find it hard to understand? You get into some very kind of meta issues. and. So often people won't realise that they've got a communication need and won't ask for that help because it's not something that's ever really been discussed with people. And finding out what things helped people take time, you know, taking time, um, don't talk to the person next to me, talk to me. Um, you know, I don't use too many words. These things were coming from our members, but they wouldn't necessarily have ever said that in a in you know, a capacity assessment or yeah. in a doctor's inter- you know, doctor's appointment, but by singing it back, people now will tend to be more confident. We've got members who in our meetings will go, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. And they never used to say that. And, and, you know, I I'm always like, Oh, I am still talking too quick. I've still got too many words going on, but they are empowered to say, to, to understand that, that something's passing them by and then empowered to tell me and, and to do something about it. And I'm hoping that trans, transfers into other other situations. We've got more training work going on to try and translate some of that choir element into more of the training that we do. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's those, I think also the, the sort of rhythm sides as well. I think the rhythm and repetition are really, really important parts of, of language processing.
0: It's super interesting, isn't it, the, 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 the helping in some, by coming at it from a side angle, or almost, you know, kind of observational angle to say, actually, you know, to enabling the person to then go, you know, telling the person, I, I mean, in legal terms, telling the person there is a practicable step you need to do to support me, which obviously <laughs> is not how anybody, I mean, no matter whether or not they've got an impairment, no one would ever say that, I mean, it's an entirely weird thing to say, but I mean, but I mean, just, what I what I always find so interesting in discussions with, with, with you or, or with people working in this field is it's so kind of, if you translate what you've just explained, you know, what's happening in practice, and if you say, well, actually what's going on is in legal terms, and I know you know this, but it's just interesting to then go in legal terms, what in fact is going on is the delivery of practicable steps to support someone's decision making ability, and it's just it's, I suppose it's just, just to, I'd be really interested to tease out some of that in relation to the training, because it's been so much on my mind recently that so much of the training, that there's endless things you read about how the training's rubbish, or people aren't trained, or why did the ex not understand? And there's part of me which keeps going, it's a little bit like you were talking about people coming in at different angles, and part of me wonders, and I just and this is slightly not why I got you in the shed, but you've just really sparked a thought I hope you don't mind me running with, not but doing. part of this is about people coming in and saying there's this NCA thing and there are these things you are doing and people just going, and from a professional side, I, go, I don't quite get what you're telling me. This is frightening. Whereas if it's shown that actually, well, by the way, we've just all done this exercise together. And if we broke it down, yeah. you know, I can tell you that, in fact, you know, that was a practicable step that was you helping somebody you know understand that was someone in fact manifesting they could use and weigh information am i going of put it on illegal ease does yeah, that make
1: absolutely no absolutely i think that's i think you've absolutely put your finger on what we're trying to do and that's something that we've struggled i think to articulate ourselves in what we are doing i think it's very very easy for the choir to be seen as oh it's a lovely thing you know i you still will get comments of, isn't it nice to see them out and about? And you think, oh, good Lord, we've come so far. And yet, um, but actually the way that I see it in terms of barriers, if you like, you've got barriers for people with communication needs, which exist because the community doesn't really understand what inclusive communication is and how that actually instead of building a ramp out of bricks and mortar, the ramp that you need to build is the skills in the communication partners. And it's not actually changing that individual. It's not that medical model of, oh, how are we gonna fix this person? It's accepting that person where they are and saying, okay, that person, I use my bridge analogy. I always use this in training. I love, I love an analogy. Um, but for me, you've got, when you and I are communicating, we go across the bridge and we meet in the middle we were both able to take those steps and to meet. But if you have somebody who's got a communication impairment, receptive or expressive, they're gonna struggle to cross the bridge to the middle. They might be stuck on the bank. They might be able to take a few steps, but actually making that connection, which is what communication is all about, is reliance on the person, the communication partner, being able to go further over that bridge to actually connect. And it's that going further, it's those practical going furthers which are i see is the the reasonable adjustments and the practical practical steps i think where the and, and i suppose and so the next barrier i guess is for there's barriers to healthcare and decision making well actually what we need to do is in, is skill up the people who are making those decisions and involved in making those decisions we need to give them those steps my feeling is and i i know this is a slightly contentious issue around uh you know SLT involvement speech and language therapy involvement in, in, in our role within where we're seen within the mental capacity act and I'm not going to go into it but I do think that actually we are under, underestimated as a as a force because it's those practical steps that I think sometimes are the reason that that MCA training doesn't happen is that people understand the, the concept and the principle but actually, nobody's gone in and gone, and this is how you do it. And the people that know this is how you do it tend to be, you know, a lot of us are speech and language therapists. That's part of our bread and butter. So what we try and do within our training, within the songs and, and what have you, is actually show people. And this was based on research that I did, not about songs or anything, but about um, barriers to um, indirect intervention into training, speech language therapy training. What a lot of carers that I spoke to in carrying out that research said was, I mean, we're not confident. We don't see it enough. We don't quite know how to do it. We know the speech and language therapist is not coming back, so we don't do it. And it's exactly the same things that we're talking about using visual information, uh, repeating, choosing the best time of day, using signs, getting an interpreter, having a familiar person there. All of those things that come within the MCA come exactly within speech and language therapy and direct intervention. Um, But I think we underestimate how much time and support people need to actually put those steps into place. And I think that perhaps is one of the gaps that certainly, I guess, for me, I I perceive as one of the gaps and that we hope to fill by providing training that's a little bit different. That sort of training isn't easy to achieve within an hour session or a Mm -hmm. half day session. And that was always the feedback we got was, yeah, we did. It was great training. And then you come back six months later and where's it gone? You know not seeing it well we knew you weren't coming back we we didn't feel confident we felt a bit silly we didn't know what to do so actually one of the things that we're exploring is how can we provide more and more of those modeling opportunities yeah. and for me the choir models it on a weekly basis it rehearsals for the support staff so for it, that works that way and what we're sort of looking at is how we kind of translate it into, into more practicable step training I suppose really
0: wouldn't it be brilliant, uh, we're running a little bit short on time, and I, uh, I talked too much, like you were saying with the training, we could have done with so much longer, I could do with so much more time talking to you, but wouldn't it be brilliant to follow the support work, the support staff who assist the staff, uh, assist with the choir, and see how their um, their confidence translates into other areas where they're supporting vis-a-vis other people who might be supporting someone, who from the outside has got exactly the same as it were level of communication impairment yeah. and just that idea that you know they're doing that on a weekly basis then they they've got they don't realize that they're being trained up and then they have got that
1: it's, you know, training by stealth is kind of our motto we like Absolutely. to train without people realizing they're being trained so we like to take a fun activity and build it like put in as much content and and value as we can while people are still having a good time. And that's really key to sort of what we do. But interestingly, we've got a blog actually from one of our support workers, one of our earliest blogs on our website, the second one, I think, um, was from a support worker, Danny, who actually ended up joining us as a volunteer. And she said exactly that. I was able to take this back and I was able to use it with other people. Now, not every support worker picks that up and there's more to be done in terms of making that explicit. But I think both the support staff, but also, you know, the the medical teams have had the health teams have had such a dire time over the last year or so wouldn't it be great to have you know have a half day away day where you sing learn some signs get with the include choir who are always good for a lot you know it's very hard not to smile spending time in my experience with include choir um but actually come away with that feeling slightly more confident about being able to carry out some of the really complex decision making stuff that's been going on and i I'd, I'd, I'd love to be doing some more of that as well i'd like to clone myself i need a few more people <laughs> but um, yeah
0: well, we could we, we could definitely do with cloning you as well so um we're doing really good thank you alex I, that is i I, tr- I try and stick relatively rigorously to the 20 minutes so that's that's brilliant and i will put a i will put a link to the to, to the include dot uh, .org website on on the, the page for this i'm also actually if you send it to me i will put a link to the blog specifically Brilliant. to danny's blog because so i just think that's to me there's something so important about people realizing that actually without realizing it they've been equipped to do things which if they've been told cold sound a bit scary and it's just that that's so yeah. empowering um it's yeah. a really tool. so i'd be really good just to be able to, to share that link as well
1: thank you yeah no definitely and it's it's something we've got loads of our impact measurement work we've got so much work to do we've got so much work to do in so many areas but that's something i'm really keen to try and capture and articulate because i think it's key to what's important about include and i don't think we've managed to get it out there quite yet so thank you for the opportunity to talk a bit more about it
0: brilliant well you've done it you've done that you've done the choir and the charity very proud this morning
1: exactly. so thank you
0: so much alex for your time i really appreciate it
1: well, thank you and uh, yeah best of luck and, well thank you for this great opportunity as well i'm going to go look up some more as well because i haven't managed to listen to a huge or watch a huge number yet but i've got some catching up to do